I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today I'm with reporter J.K. Deneen. J.K. covers development and housing issues for us, and normally that's not the most uplifting of issues, particularly here in housing-starved California. But this day, he has some good news to share with us. That's coming up next on Fifth Emission. J.K. Deneen, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Audrey. Let's talk about housing. So you actually, you write a lot of sort of sad stories about housing. This one seemed like there was like, I don't know, a silver lining to the housing issue. You want to tell us what you wrote? Well, for people that like to bash San Francisco, it was a delightful story. No, (laughs) Um, uh, it's just a sort of a change change of pace in that uh, Oakland, which has historically un- underproduced housing is suddenly like the you know the best best kid in the class when it comes to to generating new new uh new housing um they are on pace to build a lot more housing than San Francisco in 2019 and 2020 as well um San Francisco is expected to complete about 4700 units this year which is actually pretty good but um Oakland is uh looking like they will um, finish about uh, 6,800 units. Wow. So significantly more. That is significantly more. So why why is it that Oakland had been sort of a lagger in building housing for the last couple of years, decades? Yeah, I mean, their rents just weren't high enough. Construction costs were a little bit lower. Land costs were a lot lower. But, um, but you just couldn't get the rents. And as rents have escalated all over the Bay Area, they've actually increased faster in Oakland so that now they're, you know, depending on the neighborhood, only like 20 percent less than San Francisco. Uh, And Oakland has uh, a lot lower fees. So in San Francisco, you're paying about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars per unit in fees. Uh, In Oakland, that number is more like sixty thousand um, wow, that's a huge delta. So, right. so what are what are San Francisco San Franciscans getting for their money for, with all those fees? What do they go to? Well, a lot of affordable housing. So, if you look at uh, the Oakland numbers, only about seven percent of their units that they're creating are affordable. Whereas San Francisco, it's it's over thirty percent right now. Uh, San Francisco has uh, about twenty five hundred affordable units that will be completed this year and next, uh, many of them in the mission, which has uh, experienced the highest rate of evictions and gentrifications in the city. Um, and so uh, Oakland is sort of behind on the affordable housing, um, but they're, they're um, working on a bunch of policies to, I mean, the, this, this, the trick is to extract the most possible money out of these builders while not killing the development. And that's what's happened in San Francisco is maybe some would argue uh, that the fees have gotten high enough that it discourages development. And so you do have a lot of projects that have been sitting there ready to go. They've got all their entitlements and there's just no bulldozers on to be seen because uh, you know they're not going to build it if they can't make enough money. So you also mentioned to me that Oakland um, passed some uh, specific plans, neighborhood plans that also sort of opened the door to more development. Do you want to talk about what what did the city do to facilitate this? Yes. Yeah, so um, Oakland, all developers are are 
Uh, they're plan-driven. They love plans. They love to know what the rules are before they get going. They want to know how much it's going to cost, what they can do, how much density. And so Oakland passed a series of neighborhood-specific plans. Uh, probably the most successful of those is the Broadway Valdez, the, the auto row, um, where there are uh, well over a thousand units that have opened already and many more to come. And so what the city did was they, uh, in that, in Broadway Valdez, in West Oakland, in Fruitvale, Coliseum, different areas of town, they relax zoning to allow higher heights, higher densities. They allow, uh, they lower parking requirements because parking, you know, you generally build it underground and it's very expensive. Uh, and millennials. So they say basically you don't have to provide parking for all the right. people that will right. live here. Yeah. It used to be, you know, a one-to-one parking ratio. For every unit of housing, you would have to do, uh, do a parking spot. And now typically it's sometimes, you know, 0.25 or no parking or 0.5. So the this this huge boon, it's all pretty much market rate housing. But clearly Oakland and other cities need that too. Does it make sense that this increase in building is actually going to have a ripple effect and bring down rents for others in Oakland? It's possible. I think we'll it, the jury is still out. It's the um uh there there are incentives right now. So if you are looking for a a three thousand dollar studio, uh, or in or a you know thirty two hundred dollar one bedroom apartment uh, in Greater Downtown Oakland. You have tons of options right now, and the developers are offering incentives like a free month rent, six weeks free rent to try to lure tenants. And so that's that's good. It's still very expensive. Um, I spoke. Um, with Josh Simon, who heads up the East Bay Local Development Corporation, which is one of the the main affordable housing developers in the East Bay, um, and uh, they, um, you know, they just opened a project uh, um, in Fruitvale. They have ninety four units coming on, and they got thirty five hundred uh, applications. Um, Wow. That's, yeah, it's a little depressing if you're one of the people that's applied for one of those units. You're probably not going to end up um, living there. There was another project, uh, Redwood Hill Townhomes. It's only like 28 units, and they had um, 4,000 applicants. How do you choose between 4,000 applicants? Is it just the person who got there first? Just ping pong balls. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so that's a ratio of uh, 142 applicants for every one housing unit. Wow. So what is Oakland doing to remedy this? Is there anything that can be done? Well, I mean, I, th- I think that they're entitling the, 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 like San Francisco, Oakland has some very fine um, affordable housing developers. They're, they're buying sites, they're uh, getting their approvals, but there just isn't the money yet. Oakland did pass a measure, I believe it was KK, that um, sets aside, it's a $600 million bond that pays for both some affordable housing as well as infrastructure improvements, like the famous potholes in Oakland. Oh, yes, the um, famous potholes in yeah. Oakland. So, um, so that's some relief. And then uh, people have high hopes uh, that Sacramento will come to the rescue um, uh, with with some some serious money. Mm, we'll all hold our breath for that. Uh, so what about the concern that these housing units are being are bringing people with 
you know, good jobs. A lot of tech companies are moving into Oakland because it's increasingly difficult to headquarters your building and your company in San Francisco. What's the concern about gentrification like in Oakland now? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that Josh Simon said was that, you know, if you're if that all this new housing is great, but if you're if you work at a nonprofit, if you're teaching kids in the schools, if you're working in daycare, if you are working, you know, as a line cook in one of the the restaurants that Oakland is justifiably famous for, it's not going to help you because you're not going to be able to afford uh, any of these new units. Right. So, final question: Why are developers saying that they would rather build in Oakland now than San Francisco? That San Francisco's gotten too expensive. There's too few sites to build on. There's too much competition for those sites that that are out there. Um, the the regulatory environment in San Francisco is 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 just a lot tougher, um, and so it's more difficult to make money unless you've unless you've owned your the site that you're building on in San Francisco for a long time. Um, and maybe you have a low cost basis as far as land you're you're looking at, uh, or if you're doing the super high end like condo project, those are doing just fine in San Francisco. Yeah, people, those seem to be everywhere. People will build those all day long, um, or if you're subsidized. So really, what's missing in San Francisco, like always, is is the middle. But when you talk about the middle, it's it's kind of like the middle seventy percent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a very big middle. Yes, that is a big middle. Yeah, and it looks like maybe part of it's going to Oakland increasingly. Well, hopefully that'll that'll help uh, bring a little bit of relief. Hopefully, J.K. Thank you for being on the podcast today. It's always interesting to talk about housing with you. Awesome. Thanks, Audrey. Thank you to reporter J.K. Deneen for being with us today. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to everybody who listened. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.